Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Wednesday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson. On the program with me today, I've got Cam Berry and Ryan Lavoy. We've got a fun show lined up for you today as we'll chat with Andy Burcham, the play-by-play voice of the Auburn Tigers for the Auburn Sports Network at 3.30. We've got a new sports call player of the week to announce. Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire will be a part of the program. A hump day update, of course, and a nightly TV guide brought to you by our good friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer. So tons to get into throughout today's edition of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. We thought that we would be broadcasting today's show simultaneously with Atlanta Braves baseball for Game 2 of the National League Division Series. They're currently in a weather delay in Atlanta and set to make decisions here sometime soon as to what the plan will be for the rest of the day and the series moving forward. So we'll continue to give you updates there with that. Auburn football on the road at Ole Miss this weekend. We'll break it all down throughout today's edition of Sports Call. Again, J.J. Jackson with Cam Berry and Ryan Lavoy on the program here today. Ryan, you go first today. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, man. And yeah, a little frustrating that they will have a weather uh, situation in Atlanta. We obviously had a, a couple straight weeks in the south of not really having any any weather problems and having uh, a bunch of dry days. And, and of course, you know, game two here uh, is falling victim to a bunch of rain, but the areas needed it. So I'm um, not going to be too mad about that. But, but nevertheless, uh, uh, going to hope that they get this in tonight. Uh, if not, I'd imagine – I guess they just play game two in Atlanta tomorrow and not have an off day uh, as they go up to Philly for game three and game four, and that would mean four straight uh, games, four straight days. But um, it's definitely definitely frustrating to have it happen, but it's a part of it sometimes. And, and so, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see if they end up uh, getting in a game tonight. But uh, just, uh, just going to monitor that. And a lot of rain here in Alabama today too, so it's just kind of been a – been a wet and stormy day, but again, haven't had one of those in a while, so so not uh, not arguing. Yeah, about. rainy, rainy day for sure here on the plains. Cam Barry, how are you? I'm doing great. Help if I'm I had the right microphone great. turned on. There we go. <laughs> doing well. That's good. Doing well. Yeah, yeah. Like Ryan said, just a a rainy day and haven't had one of those in a while, so you know, I, I I'm kind of enjoying it. It's not too bad. Um, and uh, yeah, kind of is frustrating that the Braves aren't aren't already playing or getting ready to play soon and um hopefully they do get in a game tonight at least it's not a day game anymore though um and and hopefully we can right the ship and even this series at one apiece um and uh bounce back 
They're showing on the broadcast right now some folks already got an umbrella out and still sitting in Truist Park right now awaiting word on whether or not this game will be played. That's commitment right there. They said they were going to do something where uh, if you went ahead and and went into the stadium starting at 3 Eastern, be 50% off concessions, non-alcohol concessions. So you, JJ, you could have loaded up on a bunch of hot dogs for 50% (laughs) off, a bunch of Dr. Pepper – and, and all of that. So they did. They look they, content, though. No, they did not. I, I would be <laughs> underneath the the awnings. And you stuff, wouldn't just be sitting in. No, your seat. I would You'd not be, be like, just sitting in yeah. rain because it's going to keep raining there for a couple more hours. Yeah. But um, but but yeah, they did that allow cool that they did that fans in. Like I said, in yeah, half off concessions until first pitch tonight. If there is a first pitch tonight. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one triple eight nine tag nine as all of our sports call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information as we will go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time during today's program. And joining us here on Sports Call today, we've got our really good pal, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve's here with us. Hello, Steve. Steve, you there? Oh, man. All right. We don't have Steve, fellas. We do not have Steve. We will uh, go ahead and instead, let's detour and let's take our first commercial break of the opening hour. Maybe we'll be able to reconnect with Steve here in the timeout. Don't you Your just phone love calls live radio. are welcome. 334 887 3401. Back in a moment here on Sports Call. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, JJ Jackson hanging out with Cam Berry and Ryan Lavoy on this Wednesday as we get set to chat with Andy Burcham, the play-by-play voice of the Auburn Tigers coming up here at 3.30 on the program. Looking forward to talking with him following Auburn's loss to Georgia this past weekend and an upcoming game against LSU on Saturday. Going to be a whole lot of LSU against Ole Miss. We play Ole Miss Miss. on Saturday. Uh, Let me get the schedule right for everybody there. So really looking forward to having that conversation with Andy coming up here in just a little bit. Something that we do each and every day, however, is celebrate our birthdays in sports. So let's get to that. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. All right. Our birthdays in sports today are brought to you by Max Credit Union. Max Credit Union's got two convenient locations in the area. To help serve you, one in Auburn on Gay Street, one in Opelika on Frederick Road, Max Credit Union, proud presenting sponsor of Birthdays in Sports. Charlie Ward is turning 52 years old today. Retired NBA guard and former Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, two-sport star at Florida State, playing football and basketball, won the 1993 Heisman Trophy, and led Florida State to their first-ever national championship when FSU defeated Nebraska 18 to 16 in the 1993 Orange Bowl. 
We've seen a couple of exciting national championship games. 1993, the three of us were not born nope. when this game was played, but nope. they had an 18-16 to 16 national title game. I bet it was riveting. Not a lot of offense. I bet it was amazing. <laughs> not a lot of offense in that one. As Charlie Ward was drafted in the first round of the 1994 NBA draft by the New York Knicks, played for them for 11 seasons, spent one season with the San Antonio Spurs, and one season with the Houston Rockets before his retirement. Charlie Ward is turning 52 years old today. Justin Robinson is turning 25, a point guard for the Illawarra Hawks in the National Basketball League in Australia. He played for the Washington Wizards in 2019 and 2020, the Milwaukee Bucks in 2021, and the Detroit Pistons last season. Justin Robinson played four years of college basketball for the Virginia Tech Hokies. Miles Boykin is turning 26 years old today, a wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, played for the Baltimore Ravens from 2019 to 2021. After being a third-round pick by the Ravens in the 2019 NFL Draft, he played college football for Notre Dame. And then finally, Cattell Marte is turning 29 years old today, second baseman for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He played for the Seattle Mariners and uh, in 2015 and 2016 and has played for the D-backs since 2017. Cattell Marte is a one-time MLB All-Star and 2019 a 279 career batting average with 82 homers in his career. Cattell Marte, gentlemen, turning 29 years old today. A look at our birthdays in sports. We've got, once again, Charlie Ward, Justin Robinson, Miles Boykin, Cattell Marte, all celebrating their birthdays in sports here today. So uh, we saw a day earlier in the week where we had a bunch of Hall of Famers. We had a Brett Favre and right. uh, we had a Del Earnhardt Jr. Yeah, on the same yeah, day. Some, some big time names. Not as much today, no. but nonetheless, it's October 12th, 2022. And we want to wish a happy birthday to all parties involved. Their birthdays in sports Presented by Max Credit Union. All right, 334-887-3401 or toll-free at one 888 9 Got seven or eight minutes here before we chat with Andy Burcham of the Auburn Sports Network. And we'll try and reconnect now with... Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve is there. Hello, Steve. Hello, JJ, Brian, and Cam. That's right. Hello. Hello, sir. All right, guys. What... Does Auburn Sports Call and my banking service have in common? <laughs> what do they have in common? What is that? I can be a whole and be disconnected by both. Uh, <laughs> uh, just those of you guys. I love you guys. <laughs> okay, I've got a, a love story to share with you, a personal a human interest story. Okay. Uh, and I happen to run across it from Bleacher Report. You may know about it or may not, but this is a betting love story. Apparently, a gentleman by the name of Rick Nick Crow uh, met a young lady uh, just over the past week, and uh, she uh, had apparently, from what I saw on Instagram, you may have read about, she knew nothing about uh, NFL football or betting. He explained to her what parlays were and all that, and so Sunday morning, he says, uh, and I saw him on the video explaining it with his uh, girlfriend, uh, he, he, he had her pick 15 games, 15 games, okay? all on the money line. Well, after Sunday evening, after all the games had been played, she had won 14 of them. Now, he placed a $1 bet 
to win $6,000. Okay. Dang, that's awesome. Wow. Do you, do you know about the story, how it ends? I don't. Okay, so Monday night, right? That's usually when I would get, you know, you know what? Uh, uh, I'd be winning, and then Monday night comes. Well, anyway, <laughs> Monday night he took who? The Chiefs on the money line. Now, at that time, she could have bailed out. She could have cashed out for $3,300. And I saw her, and he's telling her, do you want to do it? He said, no, let it ride, let it ride. He said, okay. So at halftime, the score was what? 20 to 10. The Raiders, right? Right. Okay. So he told her, I'm watching on Twitter. He's talking with her. I'll see her. And he says, what do you want to do, honey? Do you want to just go ahead and cash out? We can cash out 1900 She says, no, let it ride. They can come back. And sure enough, they came back, didn't they? Yes, they did. Yeah. And she won over, well, they won over $6,000. Now, my question to you guys is, who gets how much of that money? And my recommendation to him is, she's a keeper. Go ahead and marry her now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they just met, and they're making moves like this. That's wow. crazy. Now, I don't know about you guys, but remember I told you I've had some really bad, bad experiences in betting and especially sure. parlays. Okay. You don't – do you have any clue? Because I, I don't know what the odds were of picking all 15 games correctly. Very little, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't know the official number, but I can't imagine it's uh, that crazy. I can't imagine. But that's what she did, and he said she never. She before this, she never knew a thing about uh, the NFL football teams or about parlay betting. That's yeah. just okay. pure luck. So, that's where you got to go so, out on top. She yeah, needs to never that's, bet that's, again. Never ever. Don't again. do it again. Don't do it again because I thought I was smart yeah. the first time I did it, and it never happened again. Okay, It'll suck you back in. Moving on. Moving guys. Moving on, guys. Uh, since you're gonna be talking to Andy Burcham. I don't know if you have the courage, or or maybe it's maybe awkward for me to ask you this, but you do know, or maybe you do not know, that players were not permitted this week to be uh, interviewed by the media. Correct. Not a decision yeah. made by Andy Burcham. I know that, but I just like to know what he made uh, his thoughts on that. But here's what Philip Marshall said. He said that here it is. He says the first time I believe since I've been covering Auburn that no Auburn players are being made available to the media. First time, he says. And he's been covering Auburn sports for over 50 years. Longer than we've been alive, yeah. So, guys, your thoughts. What do you make of that? It's not a good look. I mean, we we take advantage, I think, at times, because sometimes in those interview sessions, it's like, what are you really going to get out of this? But uh, it becomes a formality at this point, and so to not have that opportunity this week is uh, definitely not the best of looks. I don't know what kind of messaging Auburn's trying to send. If uh, you could read between the lines on a variety of different theories, is this setting up for something following this game going into the bye week? I, I, I just don't know, Steve. I don't know, uh, but it is so uncommon to find ourselves in a position like this. Well, the response that Nathan King said he got from the athletic department was that it somehow uh, was not able to be done this week due to coordinated scheduling with scheduling conflicts. Difficulties, yeah. really? Okay. All right. Oh, maybe they are they afraid that maybe uh, council might say we're going to demolish uh, Ole Miss's uh, defense again? I don't know. Could be. Who knows? Okay. Uh, so moving on. You know, guys, I told you I got a response yesterday from the athletic department. Right. From uh, okay, well, I found her name. I found the letter. Her name is Dr. Jennifer Wood Adams, Ph.D. Okay, yes. Executive Director of Public Affairs. You know of her? Yes. Okay, well, uh, I, I'm surprised you got a response, but hers was a form letter, as other people now found out got the same identical uh, response. So there's that. All right, now, moving on, guys. The uh, 538 people have made their prognostications updated for the uh, World Series and the playoffs. 
Uh, the Braves are not in their their their, their well. Their predictions have gone down. They took a dip favorite. after yesterday. Yeah, apparently they have the Phillies now fifty nine percent of winning the league uh, championship, and the Braves at forty one percent. Yeah, got to got to find a way to bounce back today. Whenever Game Two is played, the win to win the World Series, the Dodgers have the best odds, forty three percent. Not surprised by that. And the Astros at nineteen percent. The Yankees at seventeen percent. So yep. there, uh, there you've got that. Those are really um, good teams. Yeah, um, now Mr. Ryan LeBoy. Yes, sir. You know, I know I talked to you off the phone about the, uh, what I thought was to me just incredulous, you know, uh, roughly the passer thing. Uh, I don't know what they would have done, you know, if it would have been Nick Fairley, you know, when he was playing. And I, I can recall numerous times when Cam Newton played uh, for the Panthers, he would get demolished. And there were no roughing the passer calls on him. He'd, he'd, he'd get up and he'd look at the referees and they'd say nothing, right? Yeah, I mean, that certainly is something that, that a lot of people uh, talked about. It's ironic, though, because when you look at um, the most roughing the passer penalties in the last uh, 11 years, Cam Newton actually had one more than Tom Brady. And, of course, Cam's not played uh, the last year or two much. So um, it's funny how those, those narratives get shifted uh, like that. Well, I remember seeing him. To me, I, I watched the games because he was playing, and I'd see him get you know, pummeled to the ground, and he'd get back up and look at the refs. And I mean, there's no hurt. doubt they miss calls on Cam, and they miss calls on quarterbacks that that run around a lot. Um, you know that they, they don't give them the benefit of the doubt of the pocket quarterbacks, but um, at the same time, it wasn't like he never got anything. And I mean, the numbers bear that out over the, over the the course of time um but i mean you know they you know that's i mean that's 10 years of data right there and, and granted a lot of those guys don't end up playing for for 10 plus years but but nevertheless he he did rank uh as i'm looking at it now seventh in the last 11 years in, in roughing the passers or roughing okay. the passer penalties call all right well thanks for that information i guess i may have been biased because i thought hey come on but what are you doing with cam but uh, you know, it didn't happen again monday night and you know i'm just wondering right now do they need to just start putting flags on quarterbacks in general in the NFL? Uh, so it's just touch football, what? Yeah, I think this is a uh, an overreaction, maybe to some sorts, to the the Tua concussion and the Tua injury, and I think that is the danger in doing something based off one occurrence. I mean, we I think we feel pretty confident that Miami mishandled that to some degree but that doesn't mean that there's been a lot of these occurrences over the last few years that a change in protocol has to has to come about and so now we've already all we've already over time had arguments about soft roughing the passer penalties now we've got multiple in one week because there's no doubt that neither the the brady roughing the passer or the Derek carr roughing the passer should have been called and then we've also got a situation in Miami last weekend where Teddy Bridgewater gets hurt, in air quotes, on the first drive of the game or second drive of the game, and an independent person killed uh, him out of the game even though he cleared the concussion protocol on the field. And, and that independent person does not have to tell the team uh, any information as to why he, he pulled him out of the game. And later that person says that Bridgewater stumbled when there's video um, that suggests that Bridgewater never stumbled after that hit in question. So Bridgewater 
is treated as if he has a concussion. And to this day, Teddy Bridgewater did not sustain a concussion on that play. So um, I think we're seeing an overreaction to one unfortunate mishandling of one player. Well, I didn't know that. Thanks, Rich. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to see people have, you know, concussions. I don't – but, again, and I was being sarcastic about the flag thing, but I'm not being sarcastic here because I read a few days ago that apparently the upcoming uh, Pro Bowl will be exactly flag football. You know that? Yeah. Yeah, they've changed it up a little bit. we got to get to Andy Burcham wow. here, Steve, so we'll, uh, okay. we'll continue this conversation tomorrow. How about that? All right, we will do that, guys, uh, and I will hold – on and I'll call back no matter what. So y'all have a safe evening, guys. Uh, enjoy listening to your podcast later on. And until tomorrow, guys, War Eagle. War Eagle. There's our good pal, retired War Dam Steve, joining us on the program. Let's take that commercial break. We're back with more sports call right after this. J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. I'm Jeff Whitaker, Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, J.J. Jackson with Cam Barry and Ryan LaVoy on the show today. Sports Call can now be heard on Amazon Alexa devices. Open the Alexa app on your iPhone or Android and tap the menu icon at the top left. Tap Skills and Games in the menu and search for Sports Call Auburn. Select the skill. Tap Enable to Using You're Done. All you have to do now is say, hey, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. And you're listening to Auburn's First, and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. All right, what we want to do right now is go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on a good friend of the show, the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, our good pal Andy Burcham, stopping by to say hello to us on a rainy Wednesday. Greetings, Mr. Burcham. How are things in your world? I'm doing well. It's a rainy world, but that's a good thing, I believe. And We need the rain badly. I know my lawn does. <laughs> yeah, no complaints there. It's uh, it's good to get a little shower every Absolutely. now and again. Uh, so we've got another road trip coming up for Auburn football. Uh, they take on Ole Miss on Saturday, and, and obviously the game on Saturday did, did not go in favor of the Tigers. Not too many bright spots from that one. But after seeing five consecutive home games in front of Jordan-Hare Stadium, was it a bit of a nice feeling to broadcast from a different vantage point, Andy, to see a different stadium, to see a different venue, to get the travel element back involved in what you do? Yeah, I agree. I think it was. It was good to be back on the road for the first time in, uh, well, since the World Series uh, in, in Omaha, Nebraska. I think, it, I think it was good for this team to be on the road. A little bit of a change of, of, uh, of scenery, so to speak, for this, for this Auburn team. And it was good to be back on the sideline for our broadcast uh, facility, to be sure. Um, as, as, as we were at, at Georgia. Now, it did not go as we had planned, as we had hoped, certainly. Uh, that's a really good Georgia ball club. 
and the defending national champs, and, and I was impressed with their run game. And, and speaking of run games, Auburn will get an even better run game when it faces Ole Miss this Saturday morning. You saw this Georgia team play Auburn a year ago, obviously going on to win a national championship and lost a lot of members of that defensive unit for the Bulldogs. Did you feel as though that was a tougher Georgia defense that Auburn faced on Saturday, or or where did that fall in the grand scheme of things? No, no, I I thought last year was a better Georgia defense. It was a smothering defense a year ago, a constricting defense. They got better as the game went on. I'm not saying this year was a bad Georgia defense. I don't mean that by any stretch of the imagination. I do think it's a better Georgia offense this year than it was a year ago. And I think Stetson Bennett is better this year than he was a year ago. And I get the idea that that team is starting to find its run game a little bit better. So I think it's a little bit different of a Georgia team. I don't know if it's quite as good as it was a year ago. It doesn't mean they won't win an actual championship. Uh, I was impressed with the Georgia team. They have a good, good kicking game. And um, it'll be very, very interesting to see how that team fares the rest of the season with tests from Kentucky and tests from uh, and and Tennessee all still coming up. They still have the Florida game, and then uh, in all like I like I don't know who it is going to be in the SEC championship game. It could be it could be the team that Auburn faces this Saturday that could be there. Both of these, you know, there are a couple undefeated teams in the SEC West, and Auburn still has both of those teams on the road before the end of this season. And we're talking about road games, Andy, and I want to talk about some of these road environments that that you've called in and that these players have to play. And obviously Georgia, well-known to have a good environment. Ole Miss has been kind of struggling to keep fans in their stands for the entirety of games, and that's not a unique problem to just Ole Miss. Several programs experience that now and again, but the, the difference here is Ole Miss obviously has played a lot of great football so what about Auburn going to an 11 a.m. kickoff on the road versus, say, if they were going to a road game in the afternoon or especially at night? I know it's still going to be a tough environment, but uh, just kind of compare those atmospheres as you've seen it, those 11 a.m. atmospheres versus night atmospheres. Well, let's just compare the stadiums themselves. I mean, Auburn played in one of the bigger venues in the Southeastern Conference last week in that 2.30 start at Sanford Stadium in Athens. Ole Miss is a smaller stadium. Just it seats fewer folks, and it's an eleven o'clock game, so it's fewer. It's less time to be in the Grove uh, for, for Ole Miss and and their fans. I don't think the atmosphere is going to be a problem though for Ole Miss come this Saturday. I mean, this team's number nine in the country. It has a thirteen game home winning streak. It is six and zero overall, two and zero in the SEC, and they've got an Auburn team coming in that's a bit wounded. And it's an opportunity for Ole Miss to avenge a loss that I'm sure they feel they should have won um, a year ago. As a matter of fact, Auburn's won the last two games against Ole Miss. Auburn won in October of 2020 and then won the game here last year, although Ole Miss made a, a nice comeback at, at the end of that one. I don't think atmosphere is going to be a problem at Bought Hemingway Stadium on, on Saturday. Now, it's an 11 o'clock game, and that, that is a factor, guys. There's just no question. It's a factor at Jordan Hare Stadium. It's a factor um, anywhere you go. I mean, it's early, uh, but you know the, the the old adage is that an eleven o'clock game is better for the road team than it is for the home team because it probably takes a little bit away from the atmosphere on the day and how raucous it is at least early in the game. And and for Auburn, they don't they're not sitting around the hotel all day. I mean, they're getting up early, 
and getting on the bus and making that 40 ride, 40 minute ride down from Tupelo to Oxford and getting ready for an 11 o'clock start. And Andy, as you alluded to, this Auburn team was able to beat Ole Miss last year in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Also beat them in 2020. It's something Lane Kiffin talked about today in his SEC teleconference. But as you see it, what can Auburn do? What matchups are you looking forward to in this game as Auburn tries to maintain the success they have had against Ole Miss, obviously with the with the background that Auburn has been a way different team this year than they were at the po- that point last year while Ole Miss continues to be uh, a really quality team again this year? Well, here's what stands out about this Ole Miss, especially on offense right now. They are the third fastest-paced offense in the country behind Indiana and SMU. They're running a play every 20 seconds on offense, and that's tough to adjust to. Auburn will have to be very organized from play to play. It's very little time that Auburn has to even get new personnel on the field. That will be a challenge. And this LSU team runs the ball extraordinarily well, guys. They have 21, 21 rushing touchdowns this season, and they're averaging 242 yards a game on the ground, another 248 yards in the air. And their starting quarterback, Jackson Dart, who transferred for USC, he was the National Player of the Year back in 2020 coming out of high school, is another very good dual threat. He's a better dual threat quarterback than Auburn faced last week in Stetson Bennett. Uh, Now, in watching some of the film on Jackson Dart, especially early in the season, he kind of looked for hits, which is probably not the smartest thing to do, Uh, considering how early it was on the season and how much wear and tear that would have. That has probably changed a bit through the mid-portion of this season. But he runs a good RPO, guys, and he's a good runner. And then they've got Quentin Junkins, who's, of course, uh, just from Pike Road, Alabama, who has uh, 400, 581 yards rushing and eight touchdowns this year, another four catches on the season. Zach Evans, a highly touted transfer from Houston, who came to Ole Miss from TCU, has six more touchdowns and 480 yards rushing. And just when you think that all they do is run the football, look at what Jonathan Mingo did last (laughs) week at at Vanderbilt, setting an Ole Miss school record with 247 yards and a couple touchdowns receiving at Vanderbilt. And he's the leading receiver in the SEC. This is a very good, high-powered and balanced offense that Auburn faces. It is and, and here's one more thing, just to add to all of this. Ole Miss protects its quarterback better than anybody else in the SEC. So trying to get to Jackson Dart, who gets rid of the ball quickly or can run the football, has been uh, a challenge for teams leading up to this ball game. We're talking with Andy Bertram, the voice of the Auburn Tigers. Auburn takes on Ole Miss on Saturday, 11 a.m. kickoff. You can listen to the game on FM Talk 93.9. Talking about this game in more detail, Andy, Auburn, six consecutive wins against the Rebels. They've won 11 of 13 in this series stretch. And in many of those outings, they've kept Ole Miss, that offense that we're talking about, down 20 points or fewer in a lot of those outings in the Auburn and Ole Miss series history over the last few years. Defensively, what are you seeing from this Ole Miss unit and what can Auburn do to put their offense in the best chance to succeed? That's a really good question, J.J., and I'm not sure I have the answer with regard to Auburn's offense sure. right now. I mean, Auburn a week ago, you know, you're starting. If you include Nick Brahms, who we all thought was going to be the starting center in preseason practice, Auburn is down to its fourth center 
at right now. Nick Brahms did not play for Auburn this season. Kate Johnson started and was injured. Jalil Irvin has played, and now Brandon Council is Auburn's starting center. That's four, four different guys at center than you thought would be at the start of the season. And as a result, you've kind of had to move guys around. Cam Stott started at Cam Stutz. Started the year at right guard. He's moved to left guard. By the way, I think he's had a really good season. Yeah, um, and, and and has played well for Auburn. Killian Zier has been Auburn's rock on the on the on the left tackle spot. But that right side of the offensive line, Keandre Jones, we've seen Cam Stutz over there, Alec Jackson over there, Austin Troxel at the tackle spot. Both Jackson and Troxel left last week's game and did not come back in. So we saw Brendan Coffey out there at, at right tackle. We saw Keandre Jones at the right guard spot for Auburn last week. So just what offensive line we see up for Auburn Saturday morning, I think right now, at least remains to be seen at this point. So to me, that's that's the biggest part of the ball game. And Auburn's Robbie Ashford has to continue to progress as a starting quarterback in the Southeastern Conference. When he started that game against LSU, his first college start, remember the last time he had started a football game, was at Hoover High School. And that was two years ago. He spent two years at Oregon and didn't play football. He played baseball. So he is just now going into his third college start at this point of the season. And I think we have seen improvement. I thought we certainly saw improvement. Actually, this will be his fourth start. My, my bad. We saw improvement from his first start to his second start. I thought he had his best game against LSU. But... In the Southeastern Conference, you have got to be able to step up into the pocket and move vertically and not laterally. At times, you don't have a choice but to get out of the pocket that way. But you look at the play that perhaps turned things around for LSU in that game. Auburn led 17 to nothing, deep in its own territory, and Robbie was flushed from the pocket. And instead of moving up into the pocket or just trying to get three or four yards moving forward, he moved to his right. And in the Southeastern Conference, defensive ends have the speed to run down a quarterback from behind. And that's what happened. That was the strip sack, the scoop and score, that really turned that game around, turned, changed the momentum in that ball game. And that's something that, that Robbie Ashford continue, has to continue to improve upon this season. I know it is being emphasized by that coaching staff. Andy, Auburn basketball uh, had their pro day today, which means we're under a month away from uh, the start of ba- college basketball season. So I want to get your thoughts just on the team as a whole. you got a collection of guys that will be new to the program again, and we've seen what Auburn's been able to do with some of their freshmen, some of their new players and transfers over the last few years. But also Auburn's got a talented group of guys coming back. Are, are you more excited to see the collection of, of new players into the Auburn program or more excited to see the development Mental process of the guys returning to Auburn again is is both one of my options there because <laughs> yeah. of, yes you, it, you it, can it, answer both yes yeah it, it really is both and and here's one I'm anxious to see KD Johnson 15 pounds lighter than he was a year ago and and watch his progression from year one in the Auburn program to year two because he at times was spectacular for Auburn a year ago and needs to be more consistent. This season, Auburn returns its backcourt and adds a Chance Westry and a Trey Donaldson. Now Westry's out for a little bit because of the knee the knee surgery. We don't know exactly when he'll be back. Auburn returns a healthy Alan Flanagan who was who's back at practice. 
Uh, and, and and if he is healthy, he gives Auburn a dimension that it really did not have a year ago. Here's the, here's the one thing that we can't do is we can't just simply say, well, yeah, we've lost Walker Kessler, we've lost Jabari Davis, but you've got another freshman at 6'10", and Yoan Treor, and then you return, then you get Broom in to play at the post. I don't think we can expect Broom and Treor to be what we saw from Kessler and Jabari a year ago. I'm not sure it's fair to say those guys will be. those. Now, they're the same type of players. Broom's a shot blocker and maybe more physical on the inside than Walker was. And Treor brings a great skill set to Auburn, but is still rather young in the game. Jabari, and listen, did anyone, did any of you guys watch Jabari warm up before a basketball game last year? Oh, yeah. Sure, yeah. Yep. I mean, he, he did it like he was in the pros already. There was a plan. You know, he wasn't out there goofing around, in the, not that the other guys were, but he wasn't out there, you know, seeing what kind of windmill dunk he could have in the layup line and that stuff. <laughs> there, there was a plan for that young man. And as a result, he's the third pick in the NBA draft. It should have been higher, in my opinion, but no one asked me at that point. Um, so I think it's tough to compare and say, well, we expect Yohan Treor to be just like Jabari Smith was a year ago. He has a skill set, and he's six foot ten, and he can shoot the three. Is he going to be that kind of player immediately like Jabari was? Listen, Bruce Pearl said of Jabari Smith last year, every game he knew he had the best player on the floor, and he's never had that in his career as a head coach. And it was a true freshman that he was talking about. I don't know if he can say that this year about the same guy game in and game out. But I'm excited. Guys, I'm excited about uh, what we see from this team early on. I like the group that comes back. From a year ago, a Chris Moore one is more is much more healthy. He was dealing with knee trouble all last year. He had that worked on in the offseason, and he is a more healthy basketball player. He will help Auburn coming off the bench. I think Jalen Williams takes a step forward for Auburn this year, working whether it's the three, the four, or the five. Uh, he has the ability especially to run at that four and the five. Um, and then, you know, KD Johnson is back, and Wendell is back, and Zepp is back, and they get freshmen that, that can help them as well. So it will be a little bit of a different team this year than it was a year ago, but I think it's a it's a team to be very, very excited about, and a team that will probably be picked fourth or fifth in the SEC. And that SEC championship team from a year ago, remember, was picked fourth in the preseason. Should be interesting to follow. 26 days away from that first game of the season, on November 7th against George Mason, which coincides with my birthday. So that's a fun little uh, tidbit there really? to add. Yeah, how about that? Starting off the basketball season on my birthday. Pretty cool stuff. Um, that is pretty cool. Uh, aside from your vocals and the vocals of Brad Law combined tomorrow night for Tiger Talk, why should folks be tuned in, Andy? We will talk Auburn soccer with Tigers coach Karen Hopper. They're coming off their best weekend in the SEC this season and getting ready for a very tough match on the road. At Texas A&M, we will talk, of course, with Auburn head coach Brian Harson as the Tigers get ready for Ole Miss. And we will talk with one of those guys that's going back to his home state, the always entertaining Derek Hall. Didn't know this until today. Derek Hall was born four months early. He was born at two pounds, one ounce. Oh, wow. And they didn't know if he was going to live. 
Uh, it's an amazing story. I mean, looking at him right now on the verge Ooh. of an NFL career, uh, but uh, he almost didn't make it. And, and part of his platform right now, part of what he is doing with his NIL platform is, is helping families with premature babies. So we talk about that with Derek Hall on Sports or on, on Tiger Talk tomorrow night. Absolutely. Can't wait to hear it on FM Talk 93.9 and uh, there on the Auburn Tigers app, the Auburn Sports Network. Andy, thanks so much for the time as always. It's good catching up with you, my friend. My pleasure, guys. Have a great day. War Eagle. War Eagle. That's our good pal Andy Burcham joining us there on the program. That really is uh, inspiring stuff you hear there about Derek Hall. He is a big guy. Big fella. Big fella. That's just how you know he was built different. (laughs) No kidding. No kidding. I'm going to come out four months early and still be crazy good. (laughs) Be able to get things done. Yeah, no doubt about that. Good stuff from Andy there. Always a pleasure to chat with him. We need to go ahead and take our break here as we've reached the end of the hour. When we come back, James from Montgomery joins us on the program. We're really excited to chat with our pal James coming up here in just a moment. Alongside Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry. My name is JJ Jackson. One hour in the books and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson, Kim Barry, and Ryan LaVoy. Our thanks again to our buddy Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, for joining us on the show to talk about football and men's basketball. 26 days away from the first basketball game of the season. Braves baseball in the playoffs and more. Let's go to the phone lines. Your phone calls are welcome. Joining us now... James from Montgomery. All right, James has called into Sports Call here today. Hello, James. Hello, and War Eagle. War Eagle. Do you think that um, Tennessee is going to beat Alabama this weekend? 
Uh, they've got a really great opportunity to uh, beat Alabama this week, and this is probably one of the best uh, Tennessee teams we've seen go up against an Alabama team since probably that that team that beat them like 2005 or 2006, whenever it was. But, you know, Alabama's always Alabama, and so it, you never know what's going to happen. But I think this is Tennessee's best shot they've had in years to do it. Yeah, because, I mean, I am going to be watching this game uh, this weekend and seeing if Tennessee would uh, not Nick Saban off his, uh, off his pedestal. And uh, I think this is going to be a 5-1 and one Alabama team, uh, you know, when, when this game is um, over. So I think Alabama would lose to Tennessee. They don't have a, a, good, a good chance to uh, beat Tennessee this weekend. Yeah, this Tennessee's a, a good Tennessee team. It just depends on, I think, if Bryce Young ends up playing or not. He's been practicing this week for, for Alabama, and they're they're waiting to see if he's going to be able to go this weekend. But, yeah, it, it's a really, like I said, it's a really big opportunity for Tennessee to get a win against Alabama. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I actually uh, would put Tennessee in the, probably I'll probably say I'll put them in Atlanta, so... With, with uh, between now and the college playoffs, I'll, I'll probably see uh, a good. Uh, I'll probably see Tennessee and Georgia actually playing in Atlanta this coming up year. Well, James, they're both in the SEC East, so they they can't meet in Atlanta for the SEC championship. But you, so you think that Tennessee's going to make? Who do you think would make it from the West if it's not Alabama? Um. Well, out of the West, I'll I'll probably say I'm looking at Florida. They're also in the East. Uh, there's a lot of people that think it could be Ole Miss. Do you think Ole Miss could get there? Uh, yeah, I, I think I'll put Ole Miss in there with Tennessee. I, I, I would love to see a Ole Miss and Tennessee uh, matchup. I haven't seen one in in years in Atlanta, so I think that would be one of the great great matchups in Atlanta as well. Do you think that the uh, the Manning brothers would like to see that, where Peyton, play, Peyton played for Tennessee and Eli paid, played for uh, Ole Miss? Um, yeah, that would that would be a really good uh, a, a really good thing for for the Manning brothers to actually see their uh, you know seeing their iconic teams that they used to play four years ago, and I, I'd probably see them you know actually in Atlanta you know being at that game as well. Well, James, if you've got Tennessee and Ole Miss in the SEC championship, what are your thoughts on the uh, who makes it to the playoffs? Um, that's a hard, hard, hard shot for me to make because I mean I'm looking at so many teams in my crystal ball to make it to the playoffs, and I think I will probably say Auburn. I'll probably see Auburn make it to the playoffs this year as well. That's bold. Auburn Auburn wouldn't even make it to the SEC championship game, and you've got them in the playoffs. Who else would you have there? Three other teams. Um, I'll have Auburn, Florida, Vanderbilt, and let's just say mm, probably somebody from the Big 12. I'll probably say Michigan. Well, they're in the Big Ten. So, would you say someone like Texas or Oklahoma? Um, I'll probably say Texas. I would like to see Auburn and Texas actually playing in the playoffs as well. That'd be a good matchup, but a big SEC preview. Yeah, neither of those teams have ever made it to the college football playoff before. That'd be quite the historic setup you got there. Yeah, because, I mean, I looked at the uh, records between Auburn and Texas and they have played each other uh, years ago, 
I'm talking about like historic wise. And I think if that would be a really good chance for Auburn to actually meet up with Texas and uh, seeing if they're going to win with, uh, with Brian Harson still being the head coach for Auburn and uh, seeing if we're going to take that victory as well. Yeah. Uh, James, speaking of postseason, I saw uh, there was some bold projections came out, and I saw uh, that people are projecting UAB and App State to be playing in the Camellia Bowl in Montgomery. What do you think of that matchup? Um, actually, that um, I don't know where people are actually getting their information on that for the Camellia Bowl because I've actually been going to the Camellia Bowl ever since. And I think they've already had that uh, determined. They were looking at uh, UAB. So, I mean, it, 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 it could happen, you know, if UAB uh, actually wins this weekend and uh, Appalachia State. Um, I think this will be their – I think this will be like their ninth time coming to the Camellia Bowl as well. App State has been there before. I watched them play there in, in 2015 when they took on Ohio, the Ohio yes. Bobcats. I was there for that yes. game. Yes, I was actually there for that one as well. We were at and the same game, James, and didn't even know it. Yeah, so I've uh, I've been to a lot of uh, Camellia Bowls over, over the years, and I've seen so many uh, great uh, universities coming through Montgomery, and I would probably see – UAB and Appalachian State actually coming to Montgomery uh, this coming up uh, December as well. So I'm hoping that that will actually happen as well. So we've reached the halfway point of the season. Six games done, six games left to go. Halfway done with this college football season. I'm curious, James, your Heisman front runners. Has your Heisman winner changed at all? Who do you think could win the Heisman Trophy? Ah. Uh. I would have to say for my Heisman Trophy, I would actually go with, I'll probably say Robert Ashford would be the Heisman uh, candidate as well. He's got a ways to go to enter that mix, but he could. He could. Alabama quarterback Bryce Young's the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, and C.J. Stroud at Ohio State has done a really nice job this year. Drake May at North Carolina is surging in Heisman Trophy odds this season, uh, but we'll see if Robbie Ashford has some Heisman pedigree to his play. Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually putting him like probably like second or third, and then at the top of the Heisman um, candidate race, I will look at the quarterback from Clemson, uh, C.J. Uyuk. I think CJ would make the Heisman race as well. DJ has had a good season. Uyongale is a uh, it's a tough name to say, but you nailed it. Yes, it is. It tough is pronunciation. Tough yeah, so it's kind of hard for me to pronounce his name, his last name as well. And uh, I'll just probably see if Clemson would make it, uh, you know, without losing any games as well. What about the Oregon quarterback? Um, well, oh, I almost forgot about our Auburn, uh, our former Auburn quarterback, um, Bo Nix. I, I, I wish him very luck. I wish him all the best this weekend playing at home in Oregon. And, um, you know, I'll probably see um, Bo Nix actually making it to the 2023 uh, NFL draft as well. Anything else on your mind today, James? Um, well, with the, um, with the playoffs 
for the Major League Baseball. I think Atlanta might make it to the World Series again. And uh, my picks for that, I'll probably see Atlanta and New York. The New York Yankees actually making it to the World Series this year. What did you think about Aaron Judge this season? Um, well, Aaron Judge, he's a really good uh, baseball player. So I think if he keeps on hitting home runs, I think he might uh, make it into the uh, Major League uh Baseball Hall of Fame as well. And do you remember where that Hall of Fame is located? Um, I don't know for sure because I've been watching the Baseball Hall of Fame for years, and I know it's somewhere up north. I'm not quite sure where it's at. That's right. Do you remember Cooperstown, New York? Yes, it's, it's right outside of uh, Cooperstown, New York. Yeah, it's in Cooperstown, New York. That's the site for the MLB Hall of Fame is Cooperstown, New York. Yeah, so I mean, it's a lot of um, great baseball players that already edged their names in 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 greatness, and there will be, you know, when you go to Cooperstown, New York, and you retire, that's where that's where your name is going to be edged in bronze for for many many years until you know until the next few years somebody else might come in and want to you know go into the Hall of Fame as well. Yeah, you've got Babe Ruth, Jackie Robinson, Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio. We've got a lot of big-time legends of the game. Yeah, it's well, and it's, I mean, I would like to go out there and uh, see it for myself because it's, it's a very, very amazing uh, thing to see Hall of Fame uh, greatness being played in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame and in the NFL Hall of Fame as well. Any final thoughts for us, James? Um, I don't have anything uh, that I know of, but I am going to be watching a lot of basketball uh, later on and uh, seeing who's gonna, who's actually gonna start. Um, you know, who's gonna, who's gonna make it to the NBA playoff this year? Yeah, the season starts next week. We're one week away from the start of the season, so we'll see if the Golden State Warriors can win another championship, or maybe the Boston Celtics. Come back strong. Maybe Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving figure things out in Brooklyn. Maybe the Lakers make a little run. Who knows? Who knows? We've got a lot of exciting storylines coming up in the NBA this season, James. Maybe Luka gets it done with the Mavericks. Yeah, it could happen. It could happen. It could. I mean, with our our, um, preseason going on, it's going to take a lot, you know, for Luka Dantes to actually – make it in the MVP um, run for the NBA as well. How big of a signing was JaVale McGee for the Mavericks? You think that was a game changer for them? Um, That was a huge game changer for us. And I know Mark Cuban, uh, I know he's very excited. So, um, you know, I'm just going to see what he's going to do this year as well. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see how it all goes down. You ready for some Auburn women's basketball trivia? I am. All right. Who is the current head coach for Auburn women's basketball? Uh, the current women's basketball head coach at Auburn. Um, I think that is Coach Harris. That's right. Johnny if Harris. Her, her first if name I'm is Johnny and her last name is Harris. Yes, as well. So She's she great. Yes, yeah, she is. She's doing a really good job. Really. Excited for another season of Auburn women's basketball. All right. 
When did Auburn women's basketball go to three straight Final Fours? What decade? I'll give you that. What decade did Auburn women's basketball go to three straight Final Fours? I know this. It's up in uh, it's up in the Raptors in Neville Arena, and I would have to say I actually seen the three years that the women's the Auburn women's basketball went to three Final Fours. I would have to say 2009, 2010, and 2017. Well, it was three straight years, and and we were looking for the 90s because they went to three straight in 1990, 1991, in 1992, three straight years, they got to go okay. to the Final Four. Oh, okay, so it was the 90s. So it was 90, uh, 1990, 1990, 91, and 92. So I think we might make it this year. I think so too. All right, and then your last question tell me one Auburn women's basketball player who's had their jersey retired. Um, one Auburn women's basketball player that had their number retired. You got a couple to choose from if you want. Um, oh, so many. It's so many, um, Auburn women's basketball players that I've seen over the years. Um, I know one that's playing in the NBA. I think that's, uh, Bonner. Dewana Bonner, yes, yes. That's one. Uh, I know Tracy Tanner, which is, uh, uh, I know she's on the coaching staff with Auburn, so she has her jersey retired up there. Um, Who else? I'll have to go all the way back. There's another one that has um, her jersey retired, uh, Ru- Ruthie Bolton. That's r- Bolton. That's right. Yeah, Ruthie Bolton. Bolton. So yes. Tracy Tanner and Dewana Bonner were great players for Auburn, but their jerseys aren't retired. Carolyn Jones, Ruthie Bolton, Becky Jackson, Vicki Orr. Vicki Orr is another name for Auburn women's basketball. Yes, as well, because, I mean, with those – Three ladies. The one that, um, the one that actually had me moved to tears was um, Ruthie Bolton, and her story on uh, ESPN Thirty for Thirty, and I watched her whole story from beginning to end, and it really, um, you know, seeing a great woman that she is, and you know, seeing hearing her story. Um, really moved me to tears as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a great one, that's for sure. So uh, you did a great job on trivia today, James. Very impressive. And uh, we'll do trivia with you again next time you call in. Yes, I actually will call in uh, tomorrow for um, some more uh, trivia as well. And then I do have, um, I'll probably say a Halloween joke that I have for you all 
on tomorrow. So it's really it's a really funny. Oh wow! Okay, well. Well, we're excited. So we got trivia tomorrow. You got to let us know mm-hmm. what trivia you want, and then a Halloween joke, and then tomorrow is Throwback Thursday. Yes, yeah, so Throwback actually, Thursday. So I will actually have um, some uh, soccer moments in Auburn on Thursday as well. All right, Throwback Thursday. We look forward to it. Have a good evening, right. James. Sounds good in War Eagle. War Eagle. That's our good pal James from Montgomery joining us there on the program. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 if you would like to be a part of the show. I need to make a correction. Auburn women's basketball, three consecutive Final Fours. 1988, 1989, and 1990. I got one of those years right. I just went in the wrong order there. But three consecutive trips for Auburn. Let's take a break. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back into Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson hanging outside the studio with Cam Barry and Ryan Lavoy. We hope that you're doing well on this Wednesday. We certainly are. Lots to be thankful for. Rainy day here on the Plains. But we're trying to stay with good vibes. Don't want the rain to bring you down too much. No, Still never. a lot to discuss here on the show. Joe Bartle from Rotowire will join us here in just a little bit. We'll also take your phone calls, 334-887-3401 or toll-free at one 9 tiger 9 We do this every week. Let's make sure we recognize our Sports Call Player of the Week. Sports Call's Player of the Week. Pitt Panthers running back Israel Abinaconda is Sports Call's Player of the Week, brought to you by Eric McDade State Farm. The junior put up astounding numbers in Pitt's 45-29 win over Virginia Tech on Saturday. Abinaconda carried the ball 36 times for 320 yards and six touchdowns to account for all of Pittsburgh's touchdowns in the game. The yardage set a new single-game record, breaking a mark set by Tony Dorsett, and the scores tied a school record set in 1910. Pitt running back Israel Abinaconda is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Pretty remarkable stuff there. Israel of Anaconda is the Sports Call Player of the Week. Fellas, video game numbers yeah. from him. Yeah, in- insane. I mean, just, uh, I mean, lost for words. I mean, <laughs> accounted for all their touchdowns. I mean, I mean Jesus. They, they were in a pretty high-scoring game, and he goes for 320, almost 10 yards a carry. Look, you don't see a lot of guys even get 36 carries too often anymore. You have usually someone else spell you and uh, to score six touchdowns, I mean, insane. I think everyone's going to try and run relentlessly at Virginia Tech the rest of the year. They couldn't stop him uh, after all those carries and and just getting worn down like that. So um, very impressive numbers. Hard to do better than that. And um, yeah, that uh, was, was something probably not seen out of Pittsburgh because of 
Last year having Addison as a receiver and Pickett yeah. uh, as a quarterback, you wouldn't have said one year later they'd move on to having such an incredible rushing performance. Yeah, especially when you get Keaton Slovis to come in and play quarterback, the USC transfer there for Pitt this season, and yet they're still able to run the ball so effectively with Izzy there. And again, 320 yards. He is now the Pitt record holder for most rushing yards in a game. He took that record away from Tony Dorsett, who is the only Heisman Trophy winning player in the history of Pittsburgh Panther football. So our school has one Heisman Trophy winner. I just went out and casually broke his record on Saturday with 320 rushing yards. Yeah, I mean, again, video game numbers. uh, Unbelievable performance for sure. And now I think there will be 10 people in the box every single time. As many people as you can fit in the box the rest of the year. Let's Let's go to Road to Glory, okay? Everyone's favorite from the NCAA video games. You can't be a quarterback. Would you rather play as a wide receiver or a running back? Oh, as a running back. I tried the wide receiver thing sometimes. And it was just more hit or miss on what kind of impact you could make, and depended on the year game. Like if you called for the ball, if it if it worked correctly, or I would call for the ball yeah. every time. I mean, yeah. So I, I got more. That's joy why I say running. video game numbers. Like, I got more joy out running. Yeah. Yeah. Same running back. <laughs> Way to go, Izzy. Good stuff, man. Well, and and we were coming up right after Reggie Bush too. Like when you think about that's true. Like he's literally on the cover of one of those games. Yeah, that's Road to Glory. And you want to like do that. what Reggie does? Yeah, yeah. He was cool. And now the kids are saying, "I want to do what Izzy does." And Israel Abaconda is doing amazing things. Uh, well, if he keeps doing that, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about that. Good stuff. That is our Sports Call Player of the Week. You can read more of that on our website, thetiger.fm. And our Player of the Week is presented by our good pal, Eric McDade, State Farm. Commercial break. We're back with Joe Bartle from Rotowire right after this. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Brian Harson, head football coach of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app. The Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live, or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. Find that podcast wherever you get them. SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or our company's app. The Tiger Communications app available on both iPhone and Android devices. You can listen to the podcast and the show live on the go for free. 
whenever you want to. All right, each and every week, we love chatting with our good pal Joe Bartle from RotoWire, who's kind enough to join us here on today's show to talk about fantasy football from this past week and a look at the week ahead. Joe, the time is appreciated. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Can't complain. We got a rainy Wednesday yeah. here uh, here down on the plains near Atlanta, waiting to see what this Braves delay is going to look like. So uh, it, it's a rainy day, but uh, we know that uh, you're going to brighten the days for us, if I can get a little punny here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we had some rain here as well, too. But, uh, you know, week six, fantasy football upon us. I know the Thursday night game is going to be a stinker, so we'll just ignore that. And, uh, you know, this is the time to actually spend with your girlfriends and wives and make them feel special. This, <laughs> is what, this is what Amazon asked for. I mean, that was the plan when Amazon uh, got this game. They're like, all right. Uh, men of America, this is your one opportunity to actually look good for all your significant <laughs> others. Let's take advantage of it by uh, put, putting the commanders and bears on free night football. Yeah, no, we have to absolutely take advantage of that tomorrow. That is pro advice. You know, people can get advice from you each and every week on Twitter at JB Fantasy Sports, but that's yeah. advice enough for what to expect this week. Let's talk about week five, though, Joe. If, if there was one individual performance that was greater than any of the others, what would it be? I guess the the Josh Allen stuff, right, 387, four yards and three quarters, that, that's kind of, not that you're expecting that from Josh Allen, but you're not exactly surprised to see that's at the box score. Uh, Gabe Davis finally doing Gabe Davis stuff was pretty nice. I guess I'll answer with Travis Kelsey. Not that the four touchdowns is surprising, but to be under 50 receiving yards, whatever it was, uh, for, for all the game, whatever, that, that, that was actually a shocker to me. To see the Chiefs utilize Kelsey to that extent, we really haven't had happen before. Uh, and it's, again, confirmation that there is not one guy that is going to be the guy for the Chiefs at any given week. And I think Travis Kelsey was the recipient of the, the, the focus this week. Yeah, the four touchdowns is just so crazy. And, and it being in a Monday night game when you've got all the eyeballs on and everyone's watching this game, and of course you know the football is going to go to Kelsey and he just delivers each and every time. The chemistry over the years with Mahomes is absolutely special. That's where I kind of figured you would go. But a game that not as many people were glued into nationally was a game that was played between the Saints and the Seahawks. And tell me about this Taysom Hill performance that just came out of absolutely nowhere, Joe. Yeah, I mean, that's another big one, too. We actually talked about him on the Wave Aware podcast last week. It's kind of like a, hey, if you need a tight end, you might as well consider him. Uh, and, in fact, with Kyle Pitts out, I was like, yeah, I, you know, I, I need to have a tight end. And uh, Tyson, uh, sorry, Tyson Hill is a tight end in most fantasy formats right now. Okay, so great. You play Tyson Hill. You're going to have this massive game. It really felt like um, it, I saw, I, I mean, I'm, I'm in 15 leagues this year. I think it probably 13 or 12 of them. There was at least somebody who got 200 plus points, and it wasn't it wasn't uh, just random superflex scoring or PPR. It couldn't have been, it was any any type of scoring possible. Somebody at least scored 200. Every single one of those lineups had Taysom Hill as their tight end, and I can guarantee about half of them were in the same spot I was with Kyle Pitts. It's like, well, I don't know, I don't have anybody else tight end. Might as well put Taysom Hill in there. I actually think you look at the Saints and what they're dealing with right now. James Winston, we still don't know his status. Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, and Jarvis Landry all were not at practice Wednesday. I would imagine something changes between now and Sunday when it comes to all three of their pass catchers. But if all three of those guys are out, I have no idea what the Saints offense does other than Taysom Hill. And I don't know if it's passing or running or receiving. It will be a Taysom Hill game. Uh, I find that really fascinating. So I think he does have fantasy viability and, like, must start fantasy viability in the tight end position at least this week, depending on uh, how the injury situation goes for the Saints. And uh, Joe, looking at the Cowboys and Rams game from Week Five, um, it kind of seems like 
their entire offense is is Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup, and a little bit of Tyler Higby on the side. Um, that being said, does it seem like this? It's officially time to pull the plug on those that were really high on on Allen Robinson. Yeah, I, I I think so too, and and it's been shocking to me. I will continue to say that if this is the plan for the Rams to utilize Cooper Cup twenty targets a game, he will not make it through the the season healthy. Just like that's that's preposterous per game target numbers that we've never seen before in the NFL. Um, I know Cooper Cup did that at times last year, but if it's a consistent game-by-game thing where he is going to be the focal point, it doesn't matter. Um, it, it, at some point, he's going to get injured, and that has to be concerned. Obviously, you can't trade him because Cooper Cup's been insane. I think right now, if you do the redrafts today, he's either number one or two overall fantasy-wise, yeah. and for good reason. It, but it, this this cannot be sustainable across an 18-game season, much less a 17-game uh, season, which is kind of historical. We're basing off of a lot of this information. I don't know why they can't get Allen Robinson involved. I, I, I truthfully don't. I have so much um, faith, I guess maybe the word, but I, I have um, a lot of admiration for Sean McVay as a coach and as a coordinator. I think he is one of the very best in the league. When you can't get Allen Robinson involved in your offense and you need a second person involved, that lowers my status of your of your play calling responsibilities a little bit. Like I, I, there, there is something wrong. Not in Denmark, but in Los Angeles, and I think that there's going to be some uh, issues that they're going to have to correct either in a bye week or maybe they go ahead and you know, flex that LA status and get another star receiver at some point to you know a coup of somebody else. I don't know. I like if DJ Moore and the Panthers stink. What if they one got DJ Moore? I don't know what picks they'd be able to do to to make that. But like this is a problem, and I don't know how it gets solved because Ben Skoronek is not going to be your answer as your number two receiver. And I think as a result, we're seeing what happens when Cooper Cup is to focus. The Rams are are two and three, and really not looking like uh, playoff contenders, much less Super Bowl contenders that they entered the season as. Tom isn't here today, but a couple weeks ago he asked you a question that was along the lines of when do you start to reassess uh, players and when do you kind of start to change the way that you think about certain guys. And you said you kind of take the season in fourths and kind of go every four games, every four games. I know we're five games in now, but what are some of the guys that you have changed your thinking on both positively and negatively from when the season started? Yeah, Saquon Barkley is the biggest one. Not that he just decimated my Packers uh, last week as he did, but I, I was just completely wrong in him. And I was talking with a friend earlier. Really, if you drafted him the back end of the first round, and I'm thinking like 9 or 10 or later, and you didn't take Diggs and you didn't take Barkley, you're probably upset with the selection that you had. It just has not been consistent. that running back or wide receiver. Maybe you got Kelsey back there, and that was a smart call, or you jumped ahead for a quarterback like Josh Allen. Okay, but for the most part, those guys just have not been great. Um, Saquon Barkley clearly is healthy. The Giants are a, a good team. I, I'm not. I don't believe they're good enough to be four and one, but that's the schedule that they presented. Uh, that that being said, I mean, Saquon Barkley has been fantastic, and I think he is easily among the top five redraft options right now. Uh, Nick Chubb, same way, right? I mean, he and Barkley are leading the rushing category by a pretty significant margin. Um, I, I was fine with Nick Chubb in the second or third round. It just never made sense to draft him there, um, and that's proving to be pretty silly. So. Those two are obviously the ones that are higher. Even when he mostered, I guess I wasn't high on mostered at all. I thought uh, Chase Edmonds was one of, my, one of those like five or six round five and later running backs that I loved a lot. I thought he'd be fantastic. And mostert has just pushed him out the door completely. Uh, I think Moster right now is running back two uh, status for your team moving forward as long as he stays healthy. That's the big if for him. So a lot of running back changes. I guess um, Najee Harris has just been an absolute disappointment for me, and I've had to draft him in a few spots. Allen Robinson was the same way. 
I thankfully avoided him. I'm a little worried about Keenan Allen, too. We've had three consecutive weeks now where the Chargers said he was day-to-day, and he hasn't played. It's a hamstring injury. You know how bad hamstring injuries can be in the NFL. And again, he was just working on the side with the trainers. At what point do you get concerned that you've missed a month of Keenan Allen you're drafting in the fifth round? I don't, I don't think he changed things, and I think the Chargers' offense is so good where when Keenan Allen comes back, you figure he'd be healthy. That is a bit of a surprise to me and has been a downgrade for sure. Let's take a look at some of the top matchups going into Week 6. you got to start with the battle of 4-1 and one teams, the Chiefs and the Bills. When you look at the battle of quarterbacks here, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, are you expecting big performances from these guys? Or given the hype and the circumstances, maybe we'll see more of a defensive effort in this one. How do you see this playing out, uh, both as a result on the field and then also from the fantasy perspective with these quarterbacks? The over-under for this is 54 points. Just to put this in perspective, I don't think I've seen one higher than 51.5 or 52 uh, through the first six weeks of the season. I think the hype is justified. Obviously, this is the AFC Divisional Round rematch, and everyone's going to talk about how great that was. That was one of the best playoff games of all time. I don't, I don't think they could possibly replicate that because it was so good and the stakes were so high. I don't think there's even much defense. I mean, the Bills' secondary is still reeling. They have a lot of injuries in that area. They've gotten more healthy along the defensive front. Ed Oliver came back last week, and I think that made a big difference. But the Steelers are also tremendously bad. So I'm not, I'm not like, uh, running to say, hey, the Bills' defense is completely back just because they whooped up on Kenny Pickett uh, and the Steelers. I, and the same token, right? You had, I mean, the Raiders should have won that game Monday night. There's was, there was many reasons why the Chiefs were in a position to lose, the refs being one of them. But the Raiders should have won that game. Obviously, they didn't. That defense is not great, and I think will continue to not be great. The reason I think there is offense involved and why, if I was a betting guy, I, I would take the over. I don't feel great about it, but I would consider it is because I don't know if these teams want to show each other what they could really do to stop the other. Is there really incentive in week five of the season when both teams are 4-1 and one, to go ahead and put out all the stops? Maybe, right? You could say they're, they're competing for the number one seat, but for wins, this would be on the better path because of the tiebreaker. I just think that's too long of a season, and coaches are too smart nowadays to really tip their tricks. So I would not be surprised, not that they're playing shell preseason defense by any means, but I wouldn't be surprised if there are some tricks up both teams' sleeves come the playoffs that they are not going to tip off and show in this Week 5 matchup. Interesting line of thinking. I hadn't really considered that, but I do think there's some validity to that because you're right, it's a, it's a good point. Why give away uh, you know, our best stuff when we could potentially be matched up in the playoffs once again i like that all right let's do one more uh sunday night we got a big one five and oh philly four and one dallas uh tell me what you think about the outcome on the field and then with this one in particular not necessarily the quarterback battle but uh, who are some of the players you need to start in this matchup yeah it sounds like one more week of cooper rush and then dak prescott will be back possibly next week again we did this with keenan allen now where i thought he was gonna be back last month and it hasn't been so I'm, i'm not counting it until we see prescott in the field and honestly if the Cowboys beat the Eagles on Sunday night. Not sure he can guarantee Dak Prescott is in the lineup anyway if he gets healthy because Cooper Rush, despite what I think limitations he has as a quarterback, has been winning games, and that's the most important thing in the NFL. I, the Eagles are a really good team. I had actually predicted uh, on the podcast before the start of the season that I thought they had a very good chance uh, to be the number one seed in the NFC. That was in large part because their schedule was so easy. I did not anticipate the NFC East being good, and despite what I have thoughts on the Cowboys and Giants, they are still good teams. So this is going to be a really interesting matchup to see. And I think for a lot of people, it's a, do we prove that the Eagles are for real? When in reality, I want to see, can the Cowboys pass rush, pass rush be effective in a matchup where Jalen Hurts could and should impact things with his legs? I think this is a prove-it game 
to the Cowboys' pass rush and Mike McCarthy as opposed to the Eagles. I know that the Eagles are at home. They're favored by six. I get it. Not that they're supposed to take care of business, but this is a NFC East divisional matchup. They're always pretty difficult. Can Cooper Rush be consistent? Can you have CeeDee Lamb still be the guy? Can Michael Gallup continue to facilitate or uh, assimilate, I should say, into that offense? Those are all questions I want to see. Um, I don't think really anybody offensively other than CeeDee Lamb and possibly Michael Gallup can be successful on that buying Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott. And the flip side of things, I don't think it will be a good running game for Miles Sanders and the rest of those running backs. I think if the Eagles are to win, it's on the back of A.J. Brown and possibly Dallas Goddard, um, not even so much Devonta Smith, who I think can be covered effectively. And Jalen Hurts has to continue to be the MVP possible quarterback that he has been through the first five weeks of the season. All right, let's pivot really quickly. Joe Bartles here with us from Roto-Wire. Follow him on Twitter, at JB Fantasy Sports. Basketball season gets going next week. Roto-Wire can help you dominate your fantasy hoops league as well. Uh, let's stay local here, Joe. The Hawks are right up the road. Some of their big stars, Trey Young. We've got the first year of DeJounte Murray joining the mix as well. What's the fantasy outlook for these Hawks? Oh, man, I loved DeJounte Murray. So I, I uh, had done a draft, I think we talked about last week, uh, and I was like, that was my guy that I was going to get uh, during the draft at some point. And this was an auction format, so you have the opportunity to get any of these players. And I didn't budget effectively as I thought. And also, there was a ton of people in the room that also had the same thought process I did, so he went way higher than I would have That makes it more difficult, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, everyone here at is smart and knows what we're doing. There's no, there's no sleepers in the same way that would be like a friend and family league. I think Shante uh, Murray is going to be a guy that really can be, I don't know, top 25, top 30 in category fantasy. It's not the scoring. I don't, I don't anticipate he scores probably more than 15 points per game. In fact, I'll be doing the gambling articles. I'll be taking the under on his scoring quite a bit because you look at the rest of the roster, John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, theoretically healthy for now, Bogdanovich when he's able to really get going. There are a lot of scores, and Trey Young, is, I didn't even include him in there. Obviously, he can. I don't think Murray needs to. He can facilitate. He can rebound. And he led the league in steals by a per-game basis by a massive margin. Those are all the reasons why the Hawks traded as much capital as they did for Murray. And I think it was a good, sound play. I like Murray a lot from a from a per-category perspective. And obviously, Trey Young, I think, is top 20 overall. Point guards have been, I've seen, go a lot higher overall. Just Trey Young specifically, but other point guards, too. Um, I don't. I, I don't know if I really share that same sentiment. I think there's some interesting names, um, a little bit lower down that you can have, like as sleeper candidates potentially. But you know what you're getting with Trey Young, getting the three pointers, getting the scoring, uh, getting the free throw shooting too. I think it's kind of a, a category that gets ignored often as well. So I love Trey. I love Murray, um, and that's going to be kind of the ones. Hunter burned me. Uh, Hunter burned a lot of people, but specifically me last year with how injured he has been. And John Collins, you, you know, you know what you're getting some days. Other days, not so much. And I think Hawks fans are well aware of what, John's, what John Collins is, too. So I think fantasy-wise, it's a, it's a really interesting lineup. I know uh, the rookies sometimes can be pretty far down the list, but, Joe, I wanted to get your thoughts, since uh, we are in Auburn, of Jabari Smith. Uh, what kind of year you think he can have for Houston? What kind of fantasy impact he can have, given that he is projected to be a pretty good two-way player? Yeah, we have him starting right now for Power Forward uh, with the Rockets. I think that makes sense to me. Um, I love, and we talked about this last week, I love Elprin Sangoon. I think he's going to be fantastic. I, I think overall, though, the Rockets are going to be competing uh, in the Wombaye sweepstakes. Oh, I see his last name wrong. But you know what I mean, the, the seven foot three French guy that's LeBron James-level hype at the moment. I, I, they're, they are going to be a team bad enough where they're in contention for it, but I don't think that matters from a fantasy perspective. In fact, we have Jabari Smith ranked as top uh, 75 among overall players. Same with uh, Banchero for the, the Magic as well. 
and also uh, not, not Shaden Sharp, sorry, uh, Keegan Murray from the, the Kings. Those three rookies all are in positions, I think, different ways, but all three are in position to be A, starters, getting quality minutes, and growing into that role. Now, I will say, we've seen statistically over the years, rookies don't have a, a lot of an impact in that first month of the season. So if you were to say, I need to make a tough start uh, spot, I would always defer to having a veteran or a guy that you can say, yes, he's getting 10-plus rebounds or two-plus blocks or whatever over Jabari Smith. But I would, you know, by December, January, that's a guy that's going to be a staple in fantasy lineups that's been consistently uh, a solid option. Let Rotowire help you dominate your fantasy basketball or football league. Rotowire.com backslash free for a 10-day trial. Joe, the time is always greatly appreciated. Thanks again for stopping by, and we'll talk with you next week, okay? Yeah, sounds great, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right, that's our good pal Joe Bartle joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line. Always fun to catch up with him, talk a little football, basketball. Uh, Both of those sports take a lot of work, a lot of dedication, a lot of constant roster adjustments like he was saying and you know he's right he's a guy that absolutely dominates his friends and family league i would well, imagine i mean i we need to ask him how many basketball he's gonna be in because he's what in 15 football yeah, right. good point yeah 15 as a lot um I, a lot to keep up with yeah i mean well I don't, oh. at that point you've got guys that are playing against you and for you right so <laughs> you have to have a very Define pecking order what yeah, you want to have league happen. Is more important and see, I just couldn't. I couldn't do that. <laughs> I can't. Like, you know, you guys another, know I can't do. I was one, like, this is another knock against fantasy. I just like what in the world. <laughs> when you get paid to do it, though, and the I'm man not, studies up, and you know, I hate being contradictory. You get paid like, to do it. Just, would you? Would you be in fifteen fantasy leagues if I got paid? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm you're hesitating. Yeah. Joke, that's his He's job. Unsure. I mean, He's my, my fan integrity He's is very important in to it. me. Yeah, you wouldn't take the job. All right, uh, we've reached the end of the hour. Thanks so much to Joe Bartle of Rotowire for stopping by. Alongside Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry, I'm JJ Jackson. Two hours of the Bucks, and we're rolling. Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Cam Barry and Ryan LaVoy. It has been a really fun show so far. 
Our thanks again to Andy Bertram, the play-by-play voice of the Auburn Tigers, as well as Joe Bartle from Rotowire for joining us as guests on the program today. Always appreciate their time and insight. All right, we do this uh, each and every day, but as we get started, that's our sports call recap for you, that we've had a lot of fun. We've talked to Andy Bertram and Joe Bartle. We've had some phone calls, and we want the phone calls to continue. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 9 should you want to be a part of the show as we go to our Auburn Bank phone line. And joining us on the program, we've got... Terry from Auburn. Terry has called into sports call today. Hello, Terry. Hey, JJ, Cam, and the... Ryan, how y'all doing? doing Very well, well. Sir. thanks for asking. Good. How you on this dreary afternoon, by the way? Exactly. Right. Rain, rain, not, rain. Not trying to say it's raining, but I thought I'd notice the animals pairing up in the twos, columns of twos. I don't know, on eighty five. <laughs> yeah. um, well, guys, where do y'all stand on what might happen, may or may not happen after the Ole Miss loss on Saturday? Uh, will Will Brian Harson be retained, or will he be fired? I think it could happen. I, I do. I, I think you start to connect the dots on some of the things that is happening, uh, things like uh, not having players available for interviews this week, and and just I, I don't know, Terry. I, I do think if if a loss takes place going into a bye week, bye week like this, I, I feel like this would be the time to make that move. See, JJ, I don't say if I say when, because I, I just think it's inevitable. I, I think right. Ole Miss is they're a lot better than Missouri, and they're a lot better than LSU. A team that Auburn should have lost to and a team that Auburn did lose to. Ole Miss is good. No denying that. So, I don't think it's something that needs to happen. I think it's something that needs to happen. See, I said that wrong. That needs to happen. They need to get rid of him because, yeah, the, you, you realize there's things, you know, there's positives and negatives to everything. But um, hopefully you can get something headed in the right direction, maybe sway some recruits. But he's obviously given up. He knows it's going to happen. Let's be honest. Now, I don't Look, I've always said, I've never been a Brian Harson guy, and I've always said that he was not 100% in. I always said he was the best. He was 85, 90, maybe 95% at times. But I think after the coup last year, he became a 20, 25, 30% guy. Yeah. I mean, who could blame him? Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and remember something, guys. This is a guy that didn't renew the scholarship of the best receiver we had last year in Kobe Hudson. He tried to convince us at Media Days that TJ Finley had gotten better. Right. And, and what, what was it? Just watch? Well, we've just watched, and what we've seen is bad. And not good bad. stuff has been watched, yeah. No, you're, you're right about that. I mean, you look at the players at this team, I mean, all around the field, uh, with guys that are off and, and starring in new roles at various other schools. And, right. and meanwhile, this Auburn team is really, really struggling. I'm waiting on Cam and, uh, and, and, and Ryan to respond. I haven't heard nothing out of them yet. <laughs> I take the mic too quickly. What do you guys okay. got to say? I mean, yeah, it's not been much to watch. It's not been enjoyable. Uh, you know, he... You were, you were right when you said that, you know, if Robbie got on the field, um, that we wouldn't see much of TJ anymore. And, you know, we that might still be a possibility that we see TJ, maybe, maybe not. But it kind of seems like it's going to be Robbie, even if TJ uh, does become fully healthy. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the receivers have not been absolutely amazing. You know, th- I mean, things just aren't hidden. Like, like, I guess he expected them to, kind of like um, – you know, he kind of alluded to at SEC Media Days how things are moving forward. It's just not been a successful season so far. Hmm. You know, I was thinking it kind of reminds me. He, he seemed to put all of his eggs in the in the Zach Calzada basket, and then when he wasn't available, he didn't know he didn't have a plan B. It kind of reminds me of the the Iron Bowl years ago. I, you guys are probably too young to remember the Carnell Williams Iron Bowl. He got hurt, and he was clearly the game plan. He was going to carry the ball forty times plus. 
So that, that, that he had no backup, had no, had no clue. And oh, by the way, guys, why have we not seen Jeremiah Wright? I know he keeps switching sides of the football, it feels like. Yeah. Um, offensive line, defensive line, offensive line. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's a good question, Terry. I'm not sure. And and, and Anders Carlson is clearly struggling both physically and mentally, I think. Why have we not seen the freshman kicker? Because he's obviously got a strong leg. And I mean, ex- my goodness, he was the number one high school kicker in the country. I Yeah, I think that's more of, I mean, just respect for Anders. I mean, he, he worked all the way back. He came back for this extra year to kick for Auburn and you know you you want to continue to give him those chances I get that it's frustrating because he's definitely not the same uh as he was before um but you know I I I think that's more of a senior respect well I don't I don't I don't have a problem with that but why not try at least try a long field goal short field goal tandem thing because if if Kenders are having trouble hitting one for 40 I'm not gonna try him from I'm not comfortable from 50 on I promise you yeah I mean maybe we'll see that in the last four games so we don't uh you know waste the red shirt for him but Mm -hmm. um right now it just seems like it's going to be Anders where that's the only one we're going to see maybe towards the end of the season you know maybe we could see some McPherson we haven't really talked about this on the show uh this year but uh, do want to give some love to Daniel Carlson He's made mm-hmm. 39 consecutive field goals, uh, which is cow. currently the most in the National Football League. It's the longest streak active. 39 straight makes. So, so I think the record is like 44, and I don't even know who holds it. Yeah, so, but, I mean, uh, he's I, getting close then. Yeah, he's getting he's knocking on the door. That's awesome. That's all, and, and by the way, Minnesota cut him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One so. of their worst mistakes. Yeah, among many. Among many. Take care, guys. Have a good day. Terry, thanks for the phone call there. 334-887-3401. Or toll free at one triple eight nine tiger nine. It's got to be a good feeling to just go out there and know I'm in a rhythm right now. I'm <sighs> gonna make this field goal. Yeah, that that mentality, the that, confidence he's because, building up. Yeah, I mean, because even as a kicker, you know, I I think we can all agree that that a lot of that is mental. Um, and, and I mean, it's it's hard to do place kicking. Um, but you know, when when you're off as a kicker, it's it's tough to kind of shake back, especially if you're seeing some bad misses. It's it's definitely difficult to shake back. It is 44. Adam Vinatieri's got the record, 44 consecutive field goals. I figured it was when you Vinatieri. combine regular season and postseason stats, the record becomes 46 attempts in a row, and that record belongs to Gary Anderson. No part of me wants to ever be a kicker. I'm no. old, I'm too old at this point anyway, and I've got the worst knees. And Gary Anderson kicked till he was in his mid 40s, though. I've got the worst knees okay. east of the Mississippi. He's got the worst knees. Um, you do have bad knees. I just. The mental thing, also the makeup that that would go with that. I don't know, man. I, I just too too much pressure. Too many people yeah. looking at me. Yeah, I, too many very people running you know, at me trying to like, block the field goal. If it's, I mean, if they block it, that's a that's a miss. And then you have to like that's a miss. Sloppily try and like meander your way to making a tackle. Or, <laughs> you you're know. like, I'm a kicker. I'm not supposed to do this. Exactly. <laughs> I don't ever practice this at all. What are the? You know, that's hilarious. Um. And you know my spiel that I don't love kickers. Ryan secretly wants to ban kicking from I the mean, league. I don't want to ban <laughs> kicking, but I certainly do not want to use it in any form of crutch or... Scoring? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Two-point conversion every time. <laughs> I, I, again, I wouldn't go that matter. far. I'm we're, not that far. We're but going for it. Let's just say I like that Lane Kiffin goes forward in the red zone a lot on fourth and short. Let's just, let's just let me leave it at that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, 
Yeah, no, I because none of the because here's the thing we already seen how many how many missed kicks in an important manner have we seen in the NFL. Yeah. So you think lot. about college and you think about all the kicks that miss in college when they're not pros. And it just, I would have anxiety every single time <laughs> I'm sending my right. kicker out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I get there's certain times you have to. So, again, like, this guy would, would go for it on fourth and 18 <laughs> from the 25. No, I wouldn't. That's okay? right. That's right. I would not. <laughs> uh, but there, there's certainly there's certainly a mentality to it that is very important because I've seen some of the most talented college kickers come to the NFL. And, look, Daniel Carlson – had a couple bad games with Minnesota, right? And they didn't give him a chance, a, a to, chance to work out of yeah. it. But you know, nevertheless, it was two or three bad games, and he got fired. You know, he got released, and now he's turned into one of the best kickers in the league. But then there's other talented college guys, like you. You look at Roberto Aguayo at Florida right. State, oh and gosh. that's one of the most talented Draft. kickers I'd seen. Drafted in the third round, right. highest draft pick by a kicker ever. Uh huh. And and then he was completely terrible in the NFL, and Bad. and that he's not the only one either. I mean, like some of these guys. So I, Rodrigo Blankenship just a, right. few, a couple of years ago at Georgia was awesome. Again, had that. You can tell these NFL kickers in college when they're getting that good end over in rotation, and they're kicking them very high. Yeah. Very high. The they're not blockable and rodrigo is one of those guys and he only made it what a year and a half with the colts maybe was it two years or one year i mean Uh, you know about about a year and a half yeah so it was not long so again it it, and and what i guess what i'm saying is it's not that he forgot how to kick it's that he lost the confidence these kit these guys lose the confidence and so i can't i can't i can't just am not look you if you have a chance to do something other than kick the kick the field goal (laughs) Okay. Find a way. Find a way. Not you know. (laughs) If you're exerting your will on a team with a minute left in the game, exert it 15 more yards in the end zone. So I'm saying. Ryan Lavoy, no non-kicker believer. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines. 334-887-3401. Next up on the program, we've got Anthony from Auburn. Anthony has called into Sports Call today. Hello, Anthony. Hey guys, how you guys doing today? Quite well. well, How about you, buddy? I'm good. I'm feeling a little bit better. I was under the weather yesterday, but I'm feeling better today. I tell That's you good that. to hear. You know, uh, Ole Miss and Auburn matching up Saturday at 11 o'clock. Uh, big J.J. Pegues, uh get to uh, face his former team. I want to see how that's going to work out. Uh, what kind of season he's been having? I hadn't really had a chance to see him play this year. What do you guys think? Uh, he plays. I don't know if he's really having a a big statistical season. Obviously, he kind of plays in the middle of the defensive line, so those guys don't aren't known for um, for having as big of stats anyway. Uh, I know he does play a good bit at Ole Miss, but I couldn't. I, I have not noticed him necessarily stand out. And then Ladarius Tennyson is in our secondary from Auburn over the past few seasons, and he's at Ole Miss. Now oh, playing wow. well, yeah. Wow. It looks like oh. Pegues has uh, eight tackles and one sack this year, so he's okay. played, but but nothing nothing huge production wise. Well, with the big with the bomb uh, up on the line that Auburn got, maybe he might mess around and have a field day uh, come Saturday. You know, might mess around and make a sack or two, or bat on a pass, or, or, or stuff somebody, and then have him laying on the ground and the mouth wide open and feet pointing east and west, knocked out. So we're gonna see what's gonna go on Saturday. I'm going to be cheering for him. I'm going to be hollering and screaming and carrying on. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get my pick in. Uh, I would say uh, Ole Miss 52. I'd say Auburn 20. 52 to 20. Ole Miss over Auburn. Wow. All yes, right. Yes, yes. And I would say uh, 
Auburn probably have a total of probably 75 yards rushing. Yeah, they haven't been able to run the ball much at all lately here. And uh, they've had consecutive games, three in a row, that they haven't scored more than 17 points. So even getting to 20 would be a win. And then you look yeah, up at the uh, scoreboard and they would have lost Anthony. by 32. And I tell you, we'll go ahead and see Harson get fired uh, probably first thing Sunday morning. They'll release it that night or afternoon and put him on that train, let him ease on out of here. Choo, 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 choo. We'll holler the old dusty train. All right, thank you, Anthony. <laughs> What a way to go out of there. Choo, 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 choo. Choo, choo, The sound of a train heading out. There goes uh, yeah. Anthony. And does that mean a train's coming in from Oxford? I Wow, oh! <laughs> <laughs> <Wild laughs> storylines. The lane train, Auburn. I think that's who we all Collision course. Yeah. yeah, right. Bearing that lead. But, um, yeah, well, I, I think, um, to answer Terry from earlier, um, I do think if Auburn loses to Ole Miss, I do think Harson will get fired on the bye week. I think that is when it makes the most sense um, because for a multitude of reasons. Look, at, at this point, once you get to three and four, there's Season's no hope to redeeming yeah. the season. Season's okay? a loss. So you can't make an argument that he can have a better season than last season at that point. Secondly, You've got a a staff that you're probably going to gut. Um, you're, you're going to have, you know, your Auburn's going to have zero interest in Smetting or Keysaw or most of these guys no. sticking around. So the interim is going to be what? What do you think, Zach Etheridge, probably, um, yeah. or you know, someone like that? I think some people want Cadillac. Um, Either way, if it's Etheridge or Cadillac, because, again, it's not going to be Smetting no, or Keysaw. It's, it's going to be somebody with um, Auburn connections. Right. It, it, you're talking about someone that's vastly inexperienced um, and has not you know, been a high-ranking assistant for too long. Obviously, Cadillac's never been more than running backs coach, and, and Etheridge, I guess, has the title of associate head coach, but right. has not been a full-time coordinator. Um, and so and that'd be a huge jump, right? Yeah. And so you're you're you need that extra week to just try and get your bearings and try and podge podge the team together and, and and try and figure out a plan for the Arkansas game and 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 you look at that point. This isn't professional sports. There is not a situation where Auburn should try and lose all of its games. It's it can't be, you know. A let's get a better draft pick situation and that's what's really unbelievable about it is that you're still trying to fight at the end of the day for a bowl game and I, I think that at that point even though it would be very it would be very hard to believe your goal if you're Auburn at that point is find a way to a bowl game and find a way to beat Arkansas or or Texas A and M, yeah, and and just just salvage whatever you can because again, there is no, especially when you move on a coach, there's just no reason to purposely lose in college athletics. There's there's not a single reason, and so you're battling battling for pride. So you want to try and put that get that staff that extra week to prepare and try and figure things out on the fly. Again, it would I would not be banking on Auburn to get to six wins is not what I'm saying but I mean you should still make that your goal at the end of the day even with the interim staff so I, I think I think they probably will let Harson go if assuming they lose to Ole Miss and 
just start the i mean they're already starting the search process we're being honest behind the scenes but make it more right make it a more public forum and public process but again it's it's very unfortunate situation we're me talking a lot about it throughout the entire rest of the season we'll probably talk about about it more than the actual games honestly um but just very unfortunate to go down this road just two years in yeah yeah i will so hypothetically speaking would you think and you know jj if you i would also like your opinion on this do you think that we would move on from Schmetting and Keysaw as well, so like simultaneously do all three, because obviously they are like they're his guys. Yeah. yeah. Right. So no point in them finishing the season if he's not going to finish the season because it's not even whatever. However, that goes, we're not going to really adopt that. So I, just, I I don't see I don't see that as frequently. No, yeah. In mean, college you football, you no, do, no, uh, you know, at the pros that can be something that, you know, the Panthers just fired their head coach, the interim Steve Wilkes fired a bunch of people uh that were kind and of Matt Rule guys, right? including the defensive yeah. coordinator and that was the one side of the ball that was actually doing productive things. I I think because there is a big drop off in the contracts that are being paid to these assistant coaches yeah. and knowing that some of them aren't as in long-term secure deals as Coach Harson would be, I think there'd be more reason to keep them as opposed to getting into those buyout conversations and that sort of thing. I get the point. I, I, I Again, I just... I, I don't, really, I don't, yeah, I don't have a great experience with... with I don't hear of it like happening I, as I mean, often. You don't, but I, I'm just curious because obviously that's. I mean, the def- I mean, all three of them are technically they're more tied say, together yeah, than your average right, coordinator your av- group. Exactly. So I just wonder if you know they're just a hundred percent clean house. Everybody, you know, Boise related. You know, I think it, I do think it's possible. I I would I don't see know. it as impossible. I don't want. I don't. I'm not a betting man. I don't know if I, where I'd put my money on it if I were. But I do think it's possible just because they're so connected. Right. And because this went so poorly. Mm-hmm. Like exactly. if this was a Brian Harson after year five just ran its course or, or year four and it was, it was a normal process, they they got up to eight wins in year two, they were at eight wins again in year three, but then in year four they went back to six and six and this is just not what it, this is just not going to work. I think there wouldn't be, but I think there's some pr- going to be some pretty hard feelings here. Yeah. Uh, I think from multiple parties and, um, I, look, I wouldn't, I don't blame, even though I, you know the, the sentiment is not to support Brian Harson for most people. Anyway, I, I do want to say that I will not forget that how unfair it was at in this off season yeah. what the the people how he was higher ups at Auburn what they tried to do to him. So. From Brian Harson's perspective, he has every right to be upset. Uh, be upset with them, and um, you know he'll probably take the high road because he, you know, it's he'll want another job soon, and right. you know, bashing bashing people with money is not necessarily the best way no, of getting another good, good job soon. Not but a, not a great idea. Um, you know, I would understand if he had harsh things to say. And then from Auburn's perspective, they're bored. Look, as much as we don't like the board, what the board's going to say is, well, this is what happens when you go rogue and hire your own guy. Right. And that's that's BS, you know, to right. be honest with you. But that's what they're going to say, that's and that's what say. they're going to think. Yeah. So that's why they have hard feelings. And so there's just going to there's going to be a lot of hard feelings because this thing never really looked good. No. It looked good for eight games, yeah. and then and then from that point on, it's been nothing but bad recruiting, bad publicity. Bad play, 
bad coaching, bad PR. Yep. Just everything's been bad since eight games into last season. And so there's going to be some hard feelings on both sides here. And then not to mention this game coming up on Saturday against Ole Miss. It's college football. Auburn shouldn't win this game. I don't think Auburn's going to win this game. I'm not picking Auburn to win this game. But Auburn could win this game. Right. And then what happens? <laughs> and then awkward. Right? Right. It's very awkward. awkward. We mentioned six water. straight wins against Ole Miss for the Auburn Tigers. They have won 11 out of 13 in the series. And for a program like yes. Auburn... When you play somebody every year, we, we don't, don't have we don't really have the that good of streaks. No, right we now against those schools, but Auburn has won eleven of thirteen against Ole Miss. And the thing you would point to is what's most significant because I could easily write most of the that out. Different coaches, different players, all that. But the one thing you would hold on to would be last year's game because that was right. Lane Kiffin versus Yo. Brian Harson, and Matt Corral was an awesome quarterback. Now he was hampered in that game. He was already kind of gimpy. He got even more gimpy in that game. True. But nevertheless, left Gimpy came back le- Gimpy. Yeah, and Gimps just he was all gimpy. over the place. Yeah. Um, got drafted, still Gimpy, <laughs> still um, Gimpy. Yeah, <laughs> missing the whole season, yeah. Gimpy, still Gimpy. <laughs> um, but but nevertheless, you know Auburn did a good job against Lane Kiffin's offense last year. So they, in some form or fashion, you know Lane didn't revolutionize his offense over the off season. It's still it's still all the same, same concepts. Right. He might he might run it a little bit more than he did last year, even because he's got uh, a, a deep backfield and he's got a little bit lesser of a, of a quality quarterback. I mean Jackson Dart's still fine, but he's right. not Matt Corral. No, no. so. I think you're holding on to that little what if if Auburn can just figure again Ole Miss's offense out again, uh, but the reality is, and Anthony Anthony alluded to, I'm not sure if Pegues necessarily has a big day, but Ole Miss's defense, which is still ultimately average, which means it's better than it has been the last couple of years, but it's still not you know great Georgia, Alabama, Texas A&M defense. Um, it, it will have the opportunity to be well above average. Uh, this weekend and and it auburn's offensive line has been so bad it makes that yeah you you can't good because you 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 get caught looking in one perspective and we do this with really bad teams all the time and auburn unfortunately this first time in a while they're they're subscribe have to be in this conversation when you're a bad team you look to the schedule and you see the other teams that you can beat you say oh uh, we'll we'll use the we'll use the college perspective for now oh I can beat three and four Missouri. They're not very good. Or, oh, farther down the line, I can beat four and six South Carolina. They're right. not very good. Right. But you know what? They're doing the same thing about you. They're saying the exact same thing. They say, oh, Auburn's having their worst year in a long time. We can beat that Auburn team. Yeah. And so I parlay it just to one side of the ball. And so you say Ole Miss defense is okay. It's not good, not bad. But they say, oh, we can stop this Auburn offense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So th- that that's the, the part of it for me is that I still think ultimately Ole Miss's defense is still more respectable than what Auburn's offense has been right now. And so where I have trouble is I, I still don't see Auburn just exploding into a 35 or 40-point game. And at the no. same time, Ole Miss can be held down to a degree. But remember, even though Vandy had that lead at halftime, 
Ole Miss never punted. They had two picks and they had a, a got stopped on fourth and three, but they they never punted. Every other drive was a touchdown, and so their offense is still rolling right now. They they they're still very intricate in what they do. They have again the multiple running backs. Jackson Dart is a once again a part of the running equation, yep. just like Corral was last year for them. It's just very complicated stuff. So again, you could have a situation. Let's call it like Georgia. Auburn could for a quarter, yeah, hold, shut shut yeah. that offense down for a quarter. They get the two wear. or three stops, but then if Auburn is not taking advantage of Ole Miss's defense, which they might get a score, but I would not anticipate three straight scores. Right? If they get a score, it's still a one possession game, and then the tides will start to turn, and that Ole Miss will find something offense, and then no longer is the Auburn defense getting the same rest it was. And it just and then they start to push that rock uphill. Yep. While Ole Miss starts to beat them downhill, and We're then they down start to, more and more and more. That pace of play comes into play absolutely, and so it becomes a slippery slope. And so, again, I don't think Ole Miss. I do not think Ole Miss will whip Auburn from the get go. But you have no faith that as the game progresses, Auburn will get better as a team throughout the game. It will be Ole Miss getting better throughout the game. Slowly put their foot on our necks. Ole Miss played Vanderbilt on Saturday, as we said. Uh, It was Drew Carter, one of our good buddies, friend of the program, doing the play-by-play. Matt Stinchcomb, the analyst, Alyssa Lang on the sidelines. And Alyssa Lang had a cool report at the start of the game that a lot of folks are talking about with the secondary for the Rebels, including. Ladarius Tennyson fellas and in her pregame report she had a conversation with Chris Partridge their co-defensive coordinator who told her that Ladarius Tennyson Tyseem Johnson and Ishim Young those three guys play rock paper scissors oh, before every game to that. figure out which of the two will start at safety yeah, they all three end up playing the same number of snaps yep. but the defensive coordinator has said you're all the same to me you're all going to play huh. the same number of snaps. So you're just going to play rock, paper, scissors, and that's going to determine who's going to start out of that bunch. Yeah, that's what that's, that's what, pretty unique. That's what Lane said about a few of his positions, actually. Um, he said that so that they're not fighting with the coaches, they just fight amongst each other <laughs> and they just play rock, paper, scissors, do two out of three, and whoever, you know, we're, gonna, yeah, however we're giving you, through. we're giving you all 33% right. of the staff. Right. So. And he's like, he's like, and that way the, the players don't hold any grudges against us yeah. because we're not picking, we don't pick the starter. That's starter. Fun. Yeah. That kind of outside the box thinking is so awesome. Yeah. And yet somewhere a, booster that should not be named was probably like clenching his fist like what does this kid want to do <laughs> how do they decide who how plays dare he? <sighs> <sighs> so but yeah that's that's pretty fun um it's cool to see Tennyson well, making an impact just i mean and, he transferred over there and i loved him at auburn really wish he was still part of the well, secondary and, and guys like Tennyson can be the forgotten guys because a lot of people look at this auburn roster and say oh they're they're not very talented and that sort of thing well if any team loses 15 to 20 players that the they like and they yeah. didn't recruit well, then they're going to yeah, they're going to be less talented. That this would be I think that's why people are starting to back off this. It's why it'd be insane to blame the other coaching staff for this because you had a recruiting class, a transfer portal cycle, technically two recruiting classes if you factor in the the second half once Harson came in and then a full recruiting class, full transfer portal cycle. And you had a chance to keep some of these guys. Some of these guys stayed with you for a year, and then they transferred. And it's like you can say what you want about 
Kobe Hudson playing or not playing a lot at UCF, but if Kobe Hudson was at Auburn, he'd be a top three receiver for Auburn. He'd be on the field almost every down, period. Right. And and so it's guys like that, that that takes away from your depth, it takes away from your talent. And so a lot of Auburn starters are still pretty solid, minus obviously what's going on on the offensive line, but you don't have depth. That can affect the stars because then they're playing more snaps than they should. Getting tired. And, and, and so, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a trickle-down effect, but guys like Tennyson are, are some of the reasons why Auburn does not have a lot of depth and why it's considered not to be as talented as normal because so many guys left the program. It's going to add up one way or another. And they're playing for other SEC schools. Which, so yeah, they're, even they're uh, getting, who's the Kentucky offensive line? Tayshawn Manning. Tayshawn Manning. So you can argue how in a vacuum good or bad Tayshawn Manning is he's starting at Kentucky and again Auburn's terrible in offensive line right so you you would at least want Manning to factor in to what you were doing at Auburn even if he is not going to save your offensive line because Kentucky does to be it's fair not has not been very yeah, good up front either but again that's someone else you don't have that's that's just moving that's moving the, the depth chart yeah. down one yeah. and so that that is why Auburn and now, in hindsight being 2020, is not as talented as people wanted them to be because they lost several starters on both sides of the ball. You that, or Sean at least Shivers? that could be starters. You remember Sean Shivers? Yes, there you yeah. go. Now, he would be kind of blocked here, but again, right. taken away from depth. Yeah, yeah. Personality, too. I mean, that guy, he's got great moments in his Auburn career. Auburn I love that lost guy. a lot of dudes. Yeah. They did. You like Sean Shivers. I do. I He's had a very up-and-down year in Indiana, but – I'm glad he's gotten the opportunity. At You're least. still box score checking to see what he's up to. Yeah, he had 100 yard game, and he's really? had wow, some TDs. Awesome. And he's had some TDs, but he's also had two or three games where he's only had about two or two and a half yards of carry. So okay. it's been it's been a mixed bag. Like the first game of the year was a perfect example of it because I forgot who they were playing, but they he only had like 35 rush yards on maybe 15 attempts or something like that. But he had the game winning touchdown, so it was like yeah. You know the the numbers not good, but he made the an important play. Right. Their Indiana's problem is Connor Bazelak's their quarterback, and he is from Missouri. And <laughs> if you remember him, and it's not great. Not great. And he is not great. Do you want to know another wide receiver from Auburn who's not on the team anymore? Who transferred? Who had a big catch in a bowl game a couple of seasons ago? Got really excited about what he would do last year. He's playing at a Big Ten school this season. Go for it. Oh, oh, uh, is it? Not Purdue, is it? It is, it is Purdue. Purdue. What's his name, Ryan? Uh, Go back in the memory bank. Uh, you got it. And, a, and Aiden O'Connell throws it 55 times a game, too. You want me to say his first name? Yeah. What is my brother's first name? Elijah Canyon. Elijah Canyon, uh, yes. Yep. Yeah. My brother's name is Elijah Jackson yeah. for yeah. parties interested. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're a brother. My brother is Elijah <laughs> Canyon. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I don't know what kind I of season he's had, but again, depth. It, like again, that's the point. Is not even to say this guy would be doing this right. at Auburn. This guy would be doing this, but it all adds to the the equation the depth and the talent needle. Yeah, exactly. And and these are still guys that are at Power Five schools or at big schools and getting playing time. Yeah, and some starting. Elijah Canyon has played in one game this year. That's good. Is is, is he injured? That would be something follow to follow-up question. Yes. I mean, that's a deep dive, but because I do remember seeing him on the field. I think it was probably the Penn State game that he played in because I swore I saw him out there now that you we're, we're talking about it. That's the only reason I Purdue came to mind. 
but but nevertheless, I mean, it's still a, a factor. It's like who at Auburn, other than maybe Javarius Johnson, are you just like a hundred percent sure is better? You know, I mean, th- yeah. th- that's the point. And some guys that have shown promise, like Coy Moore, but Coy Moore's also had some disastrous moments. Disastrous. And you know, I remember when everyone was excited because Daz Worsham went to Miami, right, and came over from Miami. And he hasn't. Right, you know, so it's just, again, I'm not trying to be critical of these players. They're obviously trying to work their tails off, but these are not the guys that were supposed to be playing for Auburn University, period. It's not. And so they've they've had a lot of talent gap from all the guys that they ultimately lost throughout these last two years. And when you don't recruit it well immediately, because look, there if you recruited well, you could say, well, it's just one class. What would they do this year? There are absolutely freshmen – that if they are top 100, 150 players, if you're getting immediately, if you're getting a top seven or eight class and you get four or five of those guys, they're playing their freshman year. Owen Papo started yeah. the first game of yep. his career game. against Oregon. And so th- there's absolutely guys that as freshmen could impact what you're doing, not to mention a lot of people, you know, Terry called in earlier this hour, have been critical of what Auburn ultimately got in the portal, and especially when it comes to quarterbacks. But go back to what the real heart of the matter is, offensive line. Yeah. You know, Auburn didn't do a good job. I mean, what they, did what did they do in the portal with the offensive line? Those are, those are more ready-made guys that you're able to go after and grab someone. Again, if it doesn't – if they don't start, they help your depth. They, you got to do something. So um, it's not hard. It's really not that puzzling to figure out in hindsight and look this team was picked last in the west too so again outside of auburn this this none none of this is that surprising and it's still incredibly unfortunate but that's the reality that auburn faces now let's get the list and then we got to get a tv guy to get out of here uh transfers from 2021 to 2022 demetrius davis is at alabama state Bo Nix is at Oregon. Obviously, big Sean loss. Shivers yeah, big is at loss. Indiana. Kobe Hudson is at UCF. Elijah Canyon is at Purdue. Tayshawn Manning is at Kentucky. That's six offensive players. Okay. On to the defense. J.J. Pegues is at Ole Miss. Lee Hunter is at UCF. Dre Butler is at Liberty. Daniel Foster Allen is at South Alabama. Ian Matthews is at Missouri. Romello Height is at USC. Roe Torrance is at Arizona State. Drayshon Miller is at NC State, and Eric Reed at Georgia Tech, Amari Harvey at Georgia Good Tech. Good Lord, that's a lot of defense. Yeah, I think I defense. saw Romello Height play for USC the other day, yep. actually. And Roe Torrance definitely plays Let's for read. Arizona State. Again, you and you can make an argument if they're better than the current player that's at their position, but it's not about that. It's about it's about depth, yep. and it's about if those guys are there for the next year when some of these guys leave, right? Then they might they're good improve. starters yeah, next year I mean, for you. You never know. And I, I just, and and those you said those are all just just transfers from this, this past year. only twenty twenty one roster. So yes. the year before when he got when just right after Gus got fired and and Harson got hired, we had a plenty of transfers sure. as well. And so the the point there is those are guys that had a year of Brian Harson, right? Brian Harson and company and the rest of his staff because some of his staff is responsible too. That's the had, had the opportunity to keep their guys in-house and they didn't and now half those guys at least are at power five schools playing some sort of a role and not all are in better situations than auburn no but some of them are 
and a lot of them could have absolutely helped, and almost all of it contributes to your overall lack of depth that Auburn has really not had this little depth yeah. in a long time. we got to go. Here's our TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. All right, it's our Nightly TV Guide, and it's brought to you by our friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Coming up on television tonight, MLB Playoffs. The San Diego Padres and the L.A. Dodgers at 6 on FS1. We've also got baseball coming up at 6.30. The Atlanta Braves and the Phillies. Let's see if the Braves can get back in the win column. The Avengers at 6 on FX. Sister Act at 6 on VH1. Grown Ups 2 is on Stars Encore. And National Hockey League action on TNT. The Bruins are at the Capitals. Good stuff there for your nightly TV guy. Good show today, fellas. Appreciate yeah. you hanging out. Yes, sir. Glad to be here. A lot of fun. Thanks again to Andy Burcham and Joe Bartle for being on the program. For Ryan LaVoy and Cam Berry, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day. Good day.